Plain Spoken, Episode 2. Welcome back to Plain Spoken, the podcast where we talk about living more quietly and with a greater focus on those things that truly matter. My name is Dean Abbott. I'm the host of this program. You can find out more about me or get in touch with me by going to my Twitter profile. It's twitter.com backslash Dean Abbott. You can also just email me at dean at deanabbott.com. In each of these episodes, I try to bring you some ideas and some thoughts to help you achieve this goal of living more quietly. And I try to do that without taking a lot of time. I aim to have these episodes run between 20 and 30 minutes because brevity is an important part of living a quieter life. In this episode, I want to talk about, well, what is a quieter life at all? What do I mean when I talk about that? And that's a very complicated, that's a question whose answer is very complicated, but I have three thoughts about that that I want to bring to you and offer for your consideration and our discussion. So I think a quieter life is at its core one which allows for true growth and fulfillment of the human person, of the personality, which moves at its natural pace and which is focused on what truly matters, on focused on what is essential in a fulfilling and good human life. So let's examine each one of those independently, one at a time. So what do I mean that uh, the quieter life is the kind of life that allows for true growth and fulfillment? Well, a couple of things. I think that a quieter life requires and it level of intentionality that our standard cultural default living mode of living does not. So think about this. When you started out as a kid, you were handed a script, and you may still be living that script out, a cultural script that goes something like this. You go to school, and it's important to go to school, and it's important that you make friends there, and you should probably play on a sports team. And it's really important that you get good grades, and your teachers know what they're talking about. And you should listen to your teachers because they're wise and they're smart. And they're probably the smartest people you know. And so earning their approval by getting good grades is key for you to become a happy person. Because that's really the implied promise of our cultural script is that if you conform and if you follow that script, then you'll be happy. After you go to high school, after you go to elementary school and high school, then, of course, you you need to go to college, and there you need to um, do the same thing. You need to get good grades, you need to work hard, but you also need to party, right? If you don't party then you are not a full human being. Uh, And probably you should stay up late and you should uh, do whatever it takes to not be uh, nerdy. 
okay? Uh, because not being nerdy, that's really, really important. Because after you get out of college, you got to go get a job. And there, of course, you need to buckle down, stop partying, basically forget uh, about, you know, 80% of what you learned in college. And you need to go find a job. You need to work. The point of all that work is for you to pay off that college experience that you had and to get a, a nice big new home and to uh, buy yourself lots of experiences and possessions. And that's the whole point of life, okay, is to complete these uh, pre-planned obstacles or get over these obstacles, uh, if you want to call schooling an obstacle, I certainly would, right? And that's the point of life. You go through this, uh, these motions, and you end up owning a bunch of stuff. And then you retire, and I guess you enjoy your stuff as much as you can, and you die. And that's the cultural script that you're given. This is not a quieter life. This is a life designed to keep you anxious, to keep you unhappy, to keep you on a treadmill of never-ending desire for whatever's new, whatever's latest, whatever's next. It's You can see this everywhere you look, okay? Uh, I think there's a new iPhone coming out, and I can guarantee you that the day it comes out, there will be people literally sleeping on the sidewalk to get it. Now, if that's not some serious cultural programming, I, I don't know what else could be an example of it. If people are willing to voluntarily sleep on the sidewalk so that they can be the first person to give $1,000 or so, whatever an iPhone costs, to a massive global corporation, that's not normal. That's not, that is not a normal human uh, way of living. And so a quieter life is one that rejects all of that. And so what is the purpose then that's at the core of living a quieter life? Well, it has to be ultimately growth. Now, I want to be careful when I say that because I think there are people who live quietly and don't um, necessarily conform to the cultural script at the level that they're expected to, and they do this organically. So the kind of person I'm thinking about, let's say, lives in a very small town, has a job where they help people. I don't know. Maybe he, maybe she's a dentist. Maybe, uh, maybe he's a policeman. And they never really think about these issues at all. But the reason that they don't think about them is because they don't have to. And the reason they don't have to is because they're so grounded in their community and in their situation that they simply go through life making decisions based on a kind of set of values that exists in their unique circumstance that doesn't necessarily exist anymore universally. And so there are those people, but those people are rare, and they're not really 
all of us. And so for most of us, we need to make sure that to live a more quiet life, we need to be living in a way that really allows us to focus on the continued spiritual and moral and emotional psychological development of ourselves and those around us. And as soon as we do that, our whole set of values changes because our priorities become different. If we shift from thinking almost entirely about how to acquire whatever the next trinket is that we're supposed to acquire to the question of what would it take for me to be a more spiritually and emotionally and psychologically developed person and how could I serve others in a way that would encourage their growth? Well, our whole worldview changes because the implications of those two ways of looking at the world are so enormous that they will shape the whole rest of your life. So, our cultural default, of course, is never to seek self-knowledge because if you know yourself, you're harder to sell to. And uh, if you know yourself and you are engaged in an inner life, in an invisible life, even if you're engaged outwardly with satisfying relationships and work, you're really unlikely to be one of those people who's sleeping on the sidewalk outside the Apple store. The quieter life also values silence and the organic development of the soul. And because it does that, it seeks to move at a more natural pace. I was just reading a book yesterday, and it was a novel, a novel by Miss Reed, whose novels I recommend to you. And in the story, a couple of characters are talking about the need to set right a relationship that with people they haven't seen in a couple of years. And so they decide to write a letter. Right there, you, something we don't do anymore. Uh, so one character goes and gets a note card, and the second character writes the note. And the first character says, Okay, you've written the note. I will take it to the post box. Well, I remember walking to the post box when I was younger. And now looking back on that, I see that not having email, not having an instant communication, really in some ways allowed for relationships to develop at a more natural pace. Now, why is it natural? Well, because it is natural for the human being to reflect on what he intends to say and on what he has read or what has been said to him. And these older technologies allowed for that kind of reflection in a way that instant communication does not. Again, this is not to say that email is always bad or that I don't use email. I, in fact, I do. I encourage you to email me. But when we are communicating and moving and building 
as quickly as we are, what happens is that we all fall into a kind of trance. And our own speed and power becomes enchanting to us to the point where we cease to reflect on what we're doing. And in this age of instant everything, of instant communication, that enchantment has grown stronger and stronger. So much so now that we are not developing, relationships are not developing uh, at a natural and organic pace because we are in that trance. And what I mean by that trance is that we live lives in which there is no built-in room for reflection in the way that there was built-in room for reflection in the you know, every, in every decade from the 1890s until the 1990s uh, when you needed to write a letter to communicate to someone and then stamp it and take it to the post office. And all of that uh, more slow technology just allowed for organic opportunities for reflection to arise that we have basically lost. I also remember being a, a kid, uh, well, teenager, maybe in my early 20s, and having a friend who, when we were in our hometown, she would drive me home from something, and she would always say to me, well, what's the quickest way to your house from here? And this always struck me as really odd, because we lived in a town where the difference was so small enough that the difference between the longest way home and the shortest way home was about 90 seconds maybe two minutes if you went slow, right? So what's the quickest way home? Why would we take the quickest way home if, the, if we're only going to save at max a minute and a half? But she was, in that instance anyway, very much the modern person who prioritizes speed over every other value. She could have said, what's the prettiest way home? Right? What's the most interesting way home? What way home will allow us maximum time for conversation? No, because as a modern person, as a person who lives inside this kind of enchantment of uh, speed that we all live in, she simply presumed that speed was the first and most important value. And in so doing, she showed herself as a person uninterested in the quieter life because the quieter life does not prioritize speed, but rather uh, reflection, silence, what is invisible, attending to what is invisible, appreciation of all the, of all of our experience which uh, cannot be rushed. And so simply, speed is not the priority in the quieter life. And so obviously to live the quieter life puts you at odds with the surrounding culture. And you need to be able to have some tolerance of that if you're going to really pursue the quieter life. Finally, 
well, let me say one more thing about um, about speed. I recognize again. Obviously, there are times when speed is important. If I'm in a car accident or one of my children is hurt, I want them to get to the hospital in a helicopter because it's faster. I, I sometimes it's important that people send me information right away. I text my wife if there's something critical happening and I need to hear from her immediately. All of that's good. Again, this is not a simple binary question, but rather a question of how do we navigate between the goods that contemporary technological culture offers us and the goods that we had more of prior to the technological revolution. How do we navigate between both those goods? That's the real question. And so speed in its place is in fact a good thing. The problem is that in our society, it has become a total paradigm. And so that speed becomes a value that is considered more important than anything else. Okay, So it's not that speed is never important, it's just that it's not the only important thing. Finally, I want to talk more about the values that drive the quieter life. So the quieter life seeks to be driven by what is long-term, if not eternal. What is invisible more than by what's visible. Okay, What's spiritual more than by what's material. And it makes decisions on what promotes growth. Okay, So we're making decisions not about what's going to bring about the best short-term results. But really, we're trying to think about what will allow our souls and the souls of those we love to flourish. And those are often uh, very different things. So a good example, every year, my family gardens. This year, we grew a bunch of cucumbers, and the zucchini did really well. Our tomatoes, the last several years, not really done what I wanted. I, and if you're a tomato person, let me know why. But I think it's the weather. I think it hasn't been hot enough. Now, we could go to the grocery store, of course, and we could purchase all those vegetables and more. But why, so why would we grow them? Well, we grow them because gardening is good for the soul. Because we want our children to have the experience of connecting with uh, the earth and with the process of providing for yourself. There are, there are many almost unnameable, intangible benefits to these kinds of slower processes that even though we could be driven by consumeristic values to run out and do whatever is faster, the process of actually providing for yourself through a slow, natural, organic means shapes you. And it shapes you in ways that you can't necessarily even see. 
And until you wake up one day and you find that your tastes, your desires, your beliefs have all, in a way, been influenced by your choices uh, to pursue quieter means of living. And so gardening is a great example of what I'm talking about when we say we, as people who are pursuing a quieter life, want to make our decisions based upon the invisible value that uh, a way of living brings, more so than on the immediate invisible. And as we do this, we find that the overall quality of our lives improves, quiets down, and that we are consistently, we are consistently able to be more mindful of the moment that we are in, more grateful for the moment we are in, and more powerful in exercising our choices and controlling ourselves. All of these things, of course, will amount to being happy. And so through living a quieter life in the way that I've defined it here, what we're really aiming at is a kind of happiness that's simply unavailable to those who only follow the cultural script. And if you look around, you'll see that that cultural script and the implied promise I mentioned a while ago, the implied promise that if you follow that cultural script that you will be happy, well, that's a lie. Look around. Look at how many people you know who followed that script and ended up miserable. So something has to change. And what I'm suggesting is that you make those changes necessary for you to live a quieter life. And in the end, I hope, be happier. Well, this has been Plain Spoken. My name is again is Dean Abbott. If you have any response to this, I'd love to hear from you. You can follow me on Twitter at at Dean Abbott. You can direct message me there, or you can email me at dean at deanabbott.com. And I'll talk to you again next time on Plain Spoken.